Okay, um, I think we're going to talk about some panic. No! Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Most all of them do. Or do they just... Oh, panicking. Before we do that, I have to uh, perform one duty. Yes. That is uh, obligatory upon the part of the Great Dive Podcast. Our president of our fan club, as I've been reminded about, I don't know, a good dozen times in two days, is having a birthday today. Is the This will be airing on her birthday, so... We have to say happy birthday to our... Happy birthday, Julia! Sweet Julia. Uh, 23 years old. The big 2-3. Wow! So, happy birthday, happy Juge. Happy birthday. Party it up. Oh, Make sure out. you're wearing your Great Dive Podcast t-shirt all day long. She wears it to work a lot. Just to show off. I shouldn't say a lot, but she was worn it to, to her... Uh, where she volunteers and works, so... Well, now everybody across the world will know it's your birthday. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, because um, let me check. Let me check our recent activity here. We are now in 144,000 countries. Yeah, so you're going to be, uh, you know, people in Australia and the UK and Canada and Germany and Sweden and New Zealand and Japan and Italy, all over the place, people are going to know it's your birthday today. What about... How about Borneo? Do we have any any in Borneo? Although it's we have uh, Vietnam. Vietnam's not really ex- obscure, especially in the diving world. There's a lot of Malaysia. Malaysia's not obscure at all. I love effing Borneo's Malaysia. In Malaysia. We should start a country. What do you think? What does it take to start a country? Do you, are you subscribed to uh, Jay Shetty on Facebook? Because he went to this little country that's like privately owned. It's a little island. There's only a few, like a few hundred people maybe in the whole, and it's his own country, and uh, they love it. Every single citizen loves living there on this little, little, Every it's a little single tiny one. island, yeah. Interesting. Where's it at? I think it's near Scotland, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. I think. Don't, don't like, quote me. But so all you can quote do, me, but don't, like, hold me. So, so what you're saying is if uh, our Patreon sponsors really climbed <laughs> just, up, we might guys, be able to have enough to make our... Buy our yeah. own island. Let's work on this. Broadcast our own government. Every one of you will love living there. <laughs> you will love this island. You will love this national life. What would we call it, though? Um, the People's Temple of the Great Dive Podcast. <laughs> People's Temple. <laughs> it sounds more like a cult. <laughs> 
Just could uh, be that too. Just give us your life donations. <laughs> Drink this flavor aid. It was actually flavor aid that. <laughs> Most people, which a lot ones? of people don't know that. Which one? Which one are you talking about? The, the, the one in Los An- or San Diego? Or no, wherever? Jim Jones. They were okay, actually yeah. drinking A lot flavor. of people don't even know the Jim Jones story. That's a crazy story. It, that's a great story. The the people that were involved. Maybe if they, uh, maybe if any of them were scuba mm, diving during the whole incident, we could cover it on this show. But instead, we're going to cover something else. Oh, man. Somehow everything. <laughs> Before you derail this. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. It's like... Um, what is that? Everything goes back to like the seven degrees of uh, bacon, Kevin Bacon, Kevin bacon. six degrees, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. You can do the same thing with scuba diving, essentially. I mean, you can relate everything to scuba diving. Everything. One particular person in scuba diving? Well, a person or an activity like or an incident or an event or a record or... Uh, like the seven uh, degrees of Brett Gilliam? The... It all comes back physics to... Laws. It all comes back to somebody <laughs> seven on Seven degrees of Brett Gilliam. a bottle Gilliam. of wine with Brett Gilliam? Oh, yeah. I bet that would that would be a good... <laughs> we're gonna, hey, Brett, I hope he doesn't mind. He probably wouldn't. He seems like he's got a good sense of humor. Right. So the seven degrees of Brett Gilliam. We'll play that one day. Tiffany, get to work. We'll take we some callers. Do some research name on this one. We'll, we'll try to name, you know, get them right back to Brett Gilliam, who starred in, <laughs> what was that one with the worms? It always went back to that one. Or, or oh, uh, Footloose, yeah. Tremors. Who starred in Tremors with Kevin Bacon. Who starred in Footloose with Kevin Bacon. Everything went back to, like, those two movies. Friday the 13th. With Kevin Bacon. I think... Oh, I Jamie Lee was, Curtis. Uh, part, part two. Isn't Jamie uh, Lee Curtis No, in she was in Halloween. Halloween. I get him. You're the... You like those horror stories. Those things don't do... They do nothing for me. Those slasher horror stories. Nothing. They don't scare me. They don't entertain me. I'm just like, okay. They're very predictable. <laughs> the only one I liked Scream because it was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. It was. That was a good one. It was that filmed was good, in Plymouth. Did you know... Uh, I think Scream 2 was filmed in Plymouth. Oh, yeah. 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 I remember when they were out there and it was crazy. My hometown of Plymouth. Did you, um, was everybody scared on the streets? Oh, yeah. It's a comedy. Uh, but it was, there was some good scares in, in it. Nobody's ever scared in Plymouth. Bloodshed. Murder. They were a little scared when I moved there. But. Panic. <laughs> See, that's what we're getting to today. Some talk about panic. Good segue. The Sultan of Segway. I had to hijack that one from you. Was, <laughs> Keep working on it. I'm going to try to take it away. <laughs> it was going down a lonely residential street there for a moment. The struggle between the two of us, that that dynamic, I think, is, is really So key. there's been a... Um, An onslaught of panic. Onslaught of panic. There's been, been a couple of issues over the last uh, couple of months in the old scuba world with, uh, with some problems in the water with some divers. Unfortunate incidents and yeah, I was going to say this past weekend you know, just, held just a couple north of, of incidents just north of where we were. Yeah, and even I mean there were others as well that some guy got whacked with a uh, prop. Yeah, yeah, heard that one too. He lived, uh, and he didn't get like terribly uh, injured, but you look at what it did. It, had he, it looks like as if he, if he had been like you know a few inches closer. Yeah, I had this photo that we used to have at the dive shop. It was out of an old um, magazine or something. There was this guy laying on the deck of a boat. Looked like he was chomped by Jaws. Like just yeah. these like 
six like swirling rips right right across his like back mm-hmm. side into his abdomen, filleted wide open, right? And it's just a horrific his guts hanging out. Yeah, horrific photo. I don't know how this thing got distributed back in. It was from like the um, the sixties. Old black and white shot. I was uh, he was hit by a boat prop, and it, it was like. Was he a diver or was he swimming? Well, we had it on a. We it was it was turned into a flyer that said, "Make sure you fly a dive flag." Nice. And passed around. That was in the less politically correct days of. The scuba world where you could just hand something like that We need to do away with political correctness, period. You can be polite. You can be nice. But you should be able to say whatever the hell you want to say. Boy, I tell you, there's there's not a photo more... more convincing of flying a goddamn dive flag than uh, that the photo of that guy well, just yeah. sliced up. Sometimes, you, I mean, you need to just hear the God-blessed truth. Political correctness disguises the truth or covers it up completely. Not on TGDP. Welcome back to the yeah. Great Dive Podcast, people. We're bringing Damn. back the truth. So anyways, a couple of these uh, just got me thinking about divers panicking underwater. And we, we looked at that story we did last week about old Eddie. And I was having a conversation with a, a guy at the shop yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, just some of those personality traits ringing so true to people that he's had in the water recently. He was, Eddie. He was, he was telling me about. Remember Ed and Leo? Ed the dad ran out of air. Oh, yeah. yeah. Last week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you weren't even there. I have limited. What show are you talking about? I have very limited RAM up there, so it has to go in a file back on the hard drive. It's not easily. It's not readily acceptable. It's it's an external hard drive, isn't it? Well, now it is. My my internal one is toast. It's it's toast. I've got to try to keep up with the youngins. I've got to carry a couple external. I need to get a solid state so it's a little faster. Anyway, so I got thinking about panic. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? Get this. So I'm thinking about panic. Next thing you know, someone runs screaming into the dive shop. No. Uh, That's called synchronicity. Even even more synchronicity. Even more synchronicityized. (laughs) Synchronicity. Even more synchronized than that is, no, I'm kind of doing some research. Tiffany Facebook and I, read your mind and posted Tiffany a little advertising and I are doing about a little, uh, uh, you know, late night research. Yeah, kind of thumbing through some. I bet you were thumbing some, through things. Uh, I bet you were some work stuff and um, scuba diving. Lesson, another lessons for life pops up. Bam. Like, are you kidding me? Panic attacks. Diver, diver drowns with a full tank of air. Yeah, but I'm like, no, no, Facebook. Stop reading my mind. I'm not doing another. We just did that. Did a lessons for life last week. The people expect just when more you thought that. Just when you thought that Facebook pops up an advertisement of how to stop people from reading your mind books. <laughs> yeah, uh, people expect more from us than, than just flipping through Facebook and, and reading the, the top thing that pops up at them. I figured we'd go back in time a little bit and see if the stories from the past have changed along the way dealing with these intense situations and these panicky situations and is this is this for like panic in anyone or people that are prone to panic attacks well so i found this article it was actually from self magazine it was pretty recently though about eight ways to deal with panic attack and you know an unbearable Mm -hmm. panic attack and i was like yeah yeah because uh you know you get a panic attack uh, driving your car in rush hour traffic. That could be a pretty bad situation. Or Self-magazine, you get a, eh? You get a, 
I Googled it. Are you Googled, sure you didn't find it in Cosmo? Your Cosmo <laughs> subscription, I know, is... I got it in, in this month's edition of Teen. Teen uh, Beat? There's a, a Teen, teen Tiger Beat, beat <laughs> if anybody remembers says, Tiger Beat. Was, panic at the prom. <laughs> Follow these eight surefire tips panic. to prevent panic at the prom. Panic at the Bieber concert. So then I was like, hey, are these applicable to scuba diving? Everything's yeah. applicable to scuba diving. I think we talked about this. Everything comes back to scuba diving. It always diving. comes back to scuba diving. <laughs> it's the seven degrees of scuba. Scuba diving of Brett Gilliam. So the first one that they had was don't fight it. Don't, don't fight the panic. Embrace it. Embrace it. Make love to the panic. Make love to the panic. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. Hey, panic. You looking mighty fine tonight. <laughs> then they said to you know, just tell yourself that, hey, you're having a panic attack. Hello, self. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? I got some bad news for you, self. <laughs> well, bad You're having good. a panic attack. Embrace it. Repeat some calming mantras. Do you have a calming mantra? They give a good one. Okay, I'm listening. Emotions are like waves. How about this one? Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> this is going to roll over me. I can handle these symptoms until they pass. Pass the Xanax. Is that one? Past the Xanax. <laughs> this feeling isn't comfortable, <laughs> but, I, but I can accept it. You know, you say something like that to yourself. Hmm. Remind yourself that it won't last forever. Well, that's a good one. It's temporary. If you can keep that in your mind, like, oh my, okay, this, this. This is temporary. Little. Calm down. Thought process, whatever. Calm Calm down. down. Right. Don't let it roll and snowball. Just go. It's going to go away. Yes. And uh, no, no, they put next, breathe deeply, which I would put go front. so much as to put mm. no, right up front. Yeah. Because I, I think that's all change the your case breathing pattern. Yeah. Your breathing is out of control. You're, right. you're panicking and you're probably holding your breath in, in thought about the panic, which or is spiking the CO2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is going to cause you to increase your breathing rate. I think that that right there is extremely important in that, in that panic cycle because, like you say, if you do get that CO2 built up, and then you you need to breathe even more. You start that cycle, that vicious cycle. Yeah, of, correct. You can't catch it. You can't. You're not exhaling enough. And tell others how to help you. You need to give me money. <laughs> <laughs> you. If, it depends on if, if if I'm with my wife. I could say something. You. Here's what you can do to help me. I'm having a pain, honey. I'm having a pain attack. Again. Panic honey, attack honey again. I'm having a panic attack. <sighs> Breathe, breathe. Here's how you can help Here's me. Here's how you can help me. <laughs> Seven, distract yourself. <sighs> Pass honey, me the Sudoku. Honey, here's how you can distract me. <laughs> your mind always goes there. Mine. And talk to your doctor or therapist for My help. therapist is on speed dial now. <laughs> hey, Bob. So... So interesting things, but Bob is my therapist. But at the moment, for a scuba diver underwater, scuba is my therapist. But you know what I mean, like like for a scuba diver underwater in the moment, a lot of these go out the door. It's just it's yeah. like the training thing we talk about. If this stuff isn't kind of built in, or you haven't yeah, worked yeah, on it, because you don't have the time to sit there and go into like a seated lotus position right. you know yoga well, stance so you and, don't and, even and sit think there of and, it, and, and get into 10 minutes of meditation to you, calm your mind your mind goes to that fight or flight 
right? Correct. It goes directly into instinct. And what hasn't been trained or you haven't, you're not familiar with goes out the door. Yeah, that's a, your body's way of telling you you need either need to fight or get the hell out of this situation. Or, and that's understandable when when you turn the corner and there's, you know, uh, a mugger in front of you, or you walk around the tree and there's a bear standing at you, right? You get Wish that, I that, could that see fight a bear. or flight response. Wish but, I could see a mugger. But in scuba, <laughs> right? Flight yeah. means probably like fatality. Bolt. Yeah, flight means almost guaranteed at least an injury or something to that effect. So it it takes a while to build the response of the panic starts to get a trigger to turn that into a calming effect so that you can keep your brain thinking and acting logically and acting the way you should yeah yeah it's a tough it's right a tough action. game mm-hmm. so have you I'm, ever I'm gonna... have you ever had a panic issue underwater you know i know people you know i think you can get pushed into a corner where anyone will go into panic mode you can start out calm, something goes wrong, you kind of work at it, then something else goes wrong, or that thing that you're working at to try to fix doesn't get fixed. It, thing on The thing about being underwater is that clock, right? You have limited yeah, gas yeah. supply. You can't stay there and fix it forever. I remember a time, this would have been early to mid-90s, diving at our old training quarry. Mm-hmm. Went with a guy, me, thinking I was cooler and better than I was. The old training quarry. Right. Very cool, James. And I was going to take a guy to show him, you know, where the, the, the school bus was. You know, go down and see the yeah. bus. Middle of summer, didn't have a hood on. Grabbed the hood because I knew it was going to be cold over by the, the school bus. So as we're swimming along the wall in like 20, 30 feet of water, I was going to stop where this like <clears throat> tree was. I was going to put the hood on underwater. Nice. <laughs> I'm because, watch I knew, this, guys. I knew when I got you know down below that it was going to be cold as hell down there, right? Yeah. Right. So instead of just putting it on at the beginning it's of the dive. It's going to get stuck right over your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I was a fucking idiot. Right? So, so I was going to throw it on like. Didn't take my mask off, so I was gonna try to stretch it on over my mask, mask. Oh. and then so I got it halfway on, and realized shit, I can get my regulator out of my mouth too. <laughs> <laughs> Pull my regulator out, and now I'm like, it's past the point of no return, right? Yeah. And I sucked at buoyancy, so now I'm plummeting. Right, <laughs> my ears are going <laughs> can't equalize Dude. my ears, and I was like. <laughs> I, I muscled through it, but I was like, "Motherfucker!" Don't just, do that again. Don't Note ever do to that self. again. <laughs> yeah, well, you. I think to to you know keep that panic, that urge to panic at bay is a it's a great trait or quality if you have that ability. You know, if you and I think if you dive, the more you dive, the more experience you get, the more you you do things like diving. I think you learn that okay, things aren't are rarely as bad as you think they are. In an emergency, and, and like even yeah, that, okay, I guess, like yeah, that, you know, right, right. you're still always tell yourself, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still alive, I'm still breathing, everything's good. That's the first thing. <laughs> I I can remember diving in a cave with a couple of guys. We went down a little uh, passageway that kept narrowing and narrowing, and it was, you know, we were single file, but we were at the point like there's, it's so tight, there's no turning around. You can't like turn around, and there's three of us, right? And I was in the lead. And Viz was sucky. I don't know what's up there. I don't know. You know, I could feel my my buddy at the back of my fin. But 
just kept going and going and going. On, and I kept going, where can we turn around here? Yeah, there's got to be a spot up here somewhere. And it kept getting tight, tight. It was literally, it was, you know, you, you, it's just your body and your tanks. We finally got to a room about the size of a small refrigerator. And that's where I, I like, I got in there. I did this really ugly the, uh, flip, got <laughs> turned around, and he was coming in, and he, you know, my buddy behind me, like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I said, go in there and flip. You know, I gave him a little, he figured it out, he's a smart dude, but that was, that was a, like, I could see my mind wanting to go like, what, because that's one of the times I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? Why did, why did you start cave diving? <laughs> But I, I, right. So after the event, though, yeah. like, like, how'd you play it off? Like, because when I got left, like, when I got back from the hood thing, meant to I was that. like, I died. Oh yeah, you know, it happens all the time. It's difficult yeah. to put your hood on water. I don't re- I recommend to show it that. You got a lot of practice. <laughs> I wanted to show you the problems you could run into if you attempt to do something like I was getting put so hot, I figured I would drop down into yeah. the thermocline to put the hood all the way on. And this is why you don't put a hood on underwater. <laughs> do it before you get in. I'm just trying to prove my point. It's this impact. Did, did, I, did I make it clear enough why this is a bad idea? All right, good. Glad you've learned something today. And we Sign my logbook. We all just did the old like wiping the sweat off our brow move and went, what the fuck? What what were we thinking? What were we thinking? We were like, ah, just go check it out. <laughs> we were having great dives the whole like week, and that was and this was going to be like, okay, we're heading home right after this dive, so let's go check it out, man. Only recently has panic in divers been recognized as a significant cause of fatal diving accidents. In the November 1971 issue of Skin Diver, the subject of diver panic was introduced. At that time, emphasis was placed on its psychological aspects. Since this condition has a definite constellation of symptoms and effects on the body, but not always a clearly defined cause, it should appropriately be called the panic syndrome. The following discussion explains how panic affects the body, why its consequences can lead to disaster, and how to prevent it. A syndrome, I like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Wasn't that the name of the villain in The Incredibles? Was that yeah. syndrome? I, uh, I'm not a. Oh, you don't have to watch those silly no, ass cartoons. I don't cartoons. have kids. <laughs> I was hey. watching Friday the Thirteenth for the two hundred and fifteenth time. Yeah, but so this being a panic syndrome, right? Like, uh, just like a pattern of symptoms and reactions and things occurring, rather than. There's this one root cause. Right. Of course. It's always that. I mean, it's not just one thing that causes panic, usually. I mean, some people can get triggered by one thing, I guess. Maybe they have a history, you know, a little attachment to a psychological event. But, yeah, I think, you know, real panic. Clowns. Clowns, in other words. (laughs) I hate fucking clowns. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Did you know that you can hire a scary clown to deliver flowers to someone? Uh, which I saw that and I'm like, this is great because I would love to do that. My wife, I think, would freak out. My wife scares easily. You know, she does not like scary movies. I think um, you don't even have to be dressed as a scary clown delivering flowers, but just a, just a clown. I think it's going to build up some anxiety in pretty much anybody. In fact, most places you're going to probably, in America at least, you're probably going to hear the cocking of a gun. <laughs> you know, if you've got somebody dressed like a clown. Approaching your doorstep. There is no specific cause of panic. 
Virtually any situation that requires extra effort or is strange to the diver can lead to panic. As doctors Eggstrom and Bacharach state, panic, by definition, implies a loss of control, a fear that the individual is not in control of the situation in which he finds himself. Are we really ever in control? I mean, I think we get a false sense that we're in control, but we're never really in control. You take it, people that get like sitting there like here in your, we're in your little office and it's all nice and calm and cool. You could whack some tree limb, come flying through the window, spear you right through your neck. You're gone out of the blue. It is a little little windy out there. You hear about those stories. You should seats. I want to be over by the wall. Well, I guess my point is no matter where you're sitting, you hear about those stories that are so freaky, so unusual. You're going, well, in my mind, I just go, you know, his card came up on the big, or his number came up on the roulette wheel of life and death. And they said, congratulations, you won the most weird way to go today. (laughs) It's like Final Destination. One common denominator is that the victim acts irrationally, i.e. loses his cool. Since water is not a natural environment, the psychological effects of losing control in this foreign environment can be much more terrifying than on land. The situations in Table 1 have been implicated in leading to the panic syndrome. We have a table of situations. And in this Table 1, they give us some causes of panic. Is it like a dive table? Do we have to follow it down? Turn to the right, turn to the left. You are now a, Go down, you are now a sea panicker. <laughs> <laughs> if you wait for one hour, one hour and 18 minutes, you can become a, a an A panicker again. <laughs> you can start you, your whole day of panic if you all can, over. <laughs> if you can get 10 clean breaths in, you'll be down to a, an A panic. Then if you come across another panic you only attack, got to, you only got seven breaths the table in, over. you're still in B. You're still in B. <laughs> Flip the table over. We have that multi-level panic uh, wheel coming out. <laughs> Line up the arrow. So table one give us, gives us some causes of panic and, and the immediate effects, like difficulty with breathing, equipment. It's going to lead to a shortness of breath. Quite possibly. Uh, depletion of air supply is going to... Too tight of a wetsuit. Re, uh, uh, ...result in a suffocation. An inability to cope with surf and tides and currents is going to lead being out of shape too, fatiguing, yeah, right? Yeah. Or some semblance of physical condition. You know, I, I think back here in in these days in the in the early seventies, I think they're just under the assumption that everybody's everybody's fit. in shape. That, that that's but everybody smoked cools too. <laughs> that is true. Yes, um, and they <laughs> they do mention a you know negative buoyancy because you know Actually. number one the most important reason why you're negatively buoyant is because your game bag is too full. Um, you know what just hit me is they were smoking Salem's. Mostly. Salem's. Remember Salem's? No. God damn. Too much <laughs> lead weight or buoyancy loss because of a wetsuit compression is going to lead to additional fatigue. Well, I think you can go, I mean, aren't they getting a little like too into the details? I think you can encompass, you know, poor technique or poor, uh, it, it all goes back to training, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I certainly. Mean, like, you, so, you, know, you don't know what you're really doing and you of course, that can lead to a situation. That's our whole point. Well, like uh, finding yourself uh, in a long swim or being chilled. I'm always chilled, baby. <laughs> uh, 
um, viewing uh, viewing a shark or an injury from a marine animal could lead to, to panic, you know, unexpected True. things like that. So there are some stuff in this little table that they give us. Yeah, but as far as the, those equipment-related issues slash physical fitness-related, all that stuff that the whole point of training is supposed to, like, show you why you need to, you know, this is why you need to know how to have good buoyancy control. This is why you need to sh- choose equipment that fits you correctly, that functions in different environments and is robust, isn't going to break any, et cetera. Um, this is why you learn, you know, a good propulsion technique so you don't work hard. It is probable that a multiple of these factors, not always clearly defined, impact in the genesis of the panic syndrome. The genesis, eh? Yeah, like what we were saying is, is it's it might not be that you're chilled. No. Right? Or that you're chilled when you had a longer swim than you were intended. Right? But as those two combine... And then right. you get With stung by a jellyfish. <laughs> and you're stung by a jellyfish. Boom. Or a shark is coming after your game bag. Right. That's where... Or there's a clown. It ends up being a... <laughs> or you're diving with clowns. <laughs> Once the diver panics, he begins to breathe very rapidly and inefficiently. The term involuntary hyperventilation has been used to describe this process. Did you mean involuntary hyperventilation? I did. Is okay. that what I said? Yeah, no, I'm kidding you. You wanted to stumble on it, but you pulled it off. I pulled it off. <laughs> it's like... The, it's almost as if you were trying to put a hood on underwater, <laughs> the equivalent of that while you're talking. <laughs> In this situation, the one of involuntary hyperventilation. Nice. Gas necessary to sustain life, oxygen, and carbon dioxide, a waste product of metabolism, is substantially reduced in proportion to the energy expended in moving air in and out of the lungs. You know what I read, and I, this is something I didn't know, and I can't cite the source, so I'm not, you know, please don't try to hold it to me. Maybe we can look it all up. But you need to have the CO2 bound to the the red blood cell. The hemoglobin. The hemoglobin aspect. I'm thinking that it, I mean, there might be more to it than that, but it needs to be there bound to it to exchange for oxygen in the lungs. If there is not a CO2 molecule bound to it, it doesn't pick up the oxygen. It doesn't exchange it, in other words. That is something I read. I don't know how true it is. They didn't cite the source, and I can't remember the source. But that was an interesting piece of knowledge for me yeah, yeah. Uh, from the medical aspects. That, like, if you, if, you, if you don't have enough CO2 in your blood, you won't have the urge to breathe. That's right. the problem with what you have, what's called COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease people. Things like uh, asthma and whatnot and emphysema, people that have... Uh, it's it's a problem of getting rid of CO two usually, but their so their brain and their mind and their chemical receptors I guess it's not even brain and mind but their chem chemical receptors and whatever in the blood switch over from instead of being a CO two trigger to breathe it becomes an O two trigger to breathe so as a medic you can't give super high oxygen to somebody with COPD because they will lose the urge to breathe period because things are in reverse. Now, for a healthy person, you can see if you don't have the CO2, well, or, you will lur- lose the urge to breathe. Correct, which is where you know a lot of people would do voluntary hyperventilation. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. to reduce that CO2 level right. to the point where you were reducing the urge right. to breathe. It'll take a little bit longer to build up 
that hyperventilation is supposed to be getting rid of CO2 a lot so that it'll take a while to build up that urge to breathe. The, yeah. But the problem with it being involuntary is you're basically, you're just <laughs> chugging yeah, you're, and, and the gas really isn't getting into the lung deep enough. Or it's, it's not getting out, yes. Right, right, or, right. or out, correct. Mm-hmm. And it just enriches and builds yeah. and builds. And Well, you do like that, you know, that, that airspace thing where you're just, the, the gas is just moving very short distance up and down your, your trachea, basically, and maybe your bronchi a little bit, but... Yeah, it's never it's really getting fully getting exhaled. into the lung, mm-hmm. and it's never fully getting out of... Right. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since the panicky diver is breathing very rapidly and inefficiently, progressive air hunger from the involuntary hyperventilation itself occurs. The air hunger leads to further panic. Exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide becomes inefficient. Most of the air that is inhaled is immediately exhaled because of the rapid shallow breathing. It is possible for the panic victim to breathe so shallowly that air is merely moved back and forth in the breathing tubes and no effective air exchange occurs at the air sacs. The alveoli. In effect, this victim is suffocating without new supplies of oxygen. That's what, you know, to me, that's the the iconic sign of panic in someone when they're doing that breathing. You know, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, there, yeah. There they go. You I mean, know, their eyes show it too, but. Oh, man, it's, it's I, I see it all the time when, uh, or, or I should say, I look for it all the time. When I see mm-hmm. like a weird situation, something that like catches my eye underwater or even at the surface, it's the first thing I'm paying attention to is those bubbles. And if it's all mm-hmm. bubbles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, we've seen uh, that. And, uh, <laughs> we, we need to go. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. And usually you show up to find out, yep, it's, it not, it's not good. What was that it, guy? Because I think you, you were the one that pointed out, it's like, look at that guy. He, and we were coming up on an ascent, and he was like almost out of gas. I had to, I had to share gas. Oh, with right, him. right. But you're, you're like, look at that. He looks funky. Yeah, and yeah. I looked, I turned, he was behind my back. I turned around, and I, I go over there and look. His gauge is at zero. I'm like, here. <laughs> here you go, bud. Take this. I don't want What the fuck? <laughs> It is not difficult to understand why involuntary hyperventilation leads to serious consequences. Air exchange becomes increasingly inefficient. This progress, this progresses to fatigue and exhaustion. Buoyancy is reduced because the lungs are no longer maximally inflated with each inspiration. Swimming movements and ability to stay afloat are impaired due to the air hunger and fatigue. In summary, panic leads to involuntary hyperventilation. Involuntary hyperventilation leads to further panic due to inefficient air exchange. Indirectly, fatigue air hunger, negative buoyancy, and inefficient swimming movements aggravate the situation. This progresses to a vicious circle. Exactly. Exactly what what you were just saying a a moment ago, what we've been saying for for many, many episodes, right? It's Mm -hmm. that cycle of being uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. working too hard, bad buoyancy control, inefficient propulsion technique, all building up. yeah. Yeah, all that builds up to that Clowns. <laughs> no, you're right. It builds up, and then it it just feeds itself. It feeds itself until you know something really bad happens. But I mean, the real big things right there, of course, well, something, breathing, like something really bad happening, yeah. like it's like a cardiac event. Is, is oh yeah, what you're it'll destined eventually for it go here, to because right? your chemical 
yeah, your your bloodstream will go out of whack. But it's interesting here that I'm glad they they touch on it because in an open circuit scuba, when your breathing isn't down, when you don't have that under control, you don't have buoyancy control because your breathing Absolutely. is your buoyancy control. Yes. Interestingly enough, I was looking at the, one of these Dan pamphlets about the God Dan about Re- the heart. God Dan Re- uh, pamphlet. There. <laughs> it's a goddamn pamphlet. <laughs> Look at this goddamn pamphlet. And uh, it's talking about the heart and the effects of stress. And it says in here about uh, your autonomic nervous system, the largely involuntary system that regulates internal functions, such as your heart, respiration, digestion, is affected by diving too. Hell yes. Um, and it mentions that among the components of the ANS are the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems. While the sympathetic system governs your body's fight or flight response, the parasympathetic system governs the functions of your body that help you conserve energy. A dive that is perceived as stressful pushes the ANS in the flight direction, meaning sympathetic effects prevail, resulting in an increase in heart rate, a decline in heart rate variability, and an increase in the risk of arrhythmia. Arrhythmia bad. Uh, Arrhythmia, arrhythmia is bad. bad, yeah, yeah, and they uh, they they mention that tachyarrhythmia, Fast. a very rapid and irregular heartbeat, can cause sudden death, especially in divers with str- with structural or ischemic heart disease. Mm. Overexertion or the effects of stress may strain the heart and result in acute manifestations of previously undiagnosed ischemic heart disease, like that narrowing of uh, the blood vessels, which in- interrupts that flow of blood getting getting the oxygenated mm. blood to the cells and getting the CO2 out. Yeah, there's a number of issues you get when you when you start doing like, uh, you start screwing up your, your cardiac rhythm. Besides, it can throw clots, you can do. And then people that have other issues that are undiagnosed, for example, uh, patent foramen ovale, a PFO. PFO, yeah. Which is basically a, that hole that you have between your chambers from, from arterial to venous blood. That there's a, that hole when you're in the infant doesn't seal up all the way when you're in the womb. Anyway, long story short is there's the heart ain't working well. You ain't eliminating your gas well as well as gas bubbles. You're you're not getting your gas to your to your lungs to be the filter to get bubbles right, out. Right. right? So, and in the in the Dan reports that we looked at in the past, Dan reports they mentioned that one third of all diving fatalities are cardiac events. Which I think is, compared to other sports, I don't think, I think that's abnormal. I, correct, right. right. And then, again, we remember that number is like 10 times higher as you break that 50 years of age mark. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you need, to calm, <laughs> you need to calm down. You need to calm your ass down. The victim soon becomes so fatigued that he can no longer maintain his head above water to breathe air or keep the regulator mouthpiece in place. Complete exhaustion may occur in a matter of seconds in the poorly conditioned individual forced to exert at maximal effort. At the stage of complete exhaustion, the oxygen supply to the brain is so marginal that one mouthful of water can lead to unconsciousness. Consciousness can be only restored if the oxygen supply to the brain is reestablished. It is apparent that the vicious circle must be intercepted before the victim collapses from exhaustion or inhales water. The culmination of the vicious circle could be drowning or cardiac arrest, like we were just saying. So what I got out of that is if you panic and sucking water to your lungs, you'll go unconscious 
So we have to stop that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't suck it. You can't breathe water. Is the real? If you just boil that down to what they're trying to say, you can't suck in water. So if that panic thing starts and you're trying to get your breath, you're not going to get it from the water. You're going to die. Correct. You're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look at um, we looked at these causes of panic a moment ago. Right. Clowns. And now we're going to. I took out of that whole thing clowns. <laughs> and now we're going to get into like this panic. Uh, the, the symptoms associated with the panic syndrome are essentially those of the body preparing itself for a life threatening challenge. They represent the extreme example of the fight or flight response. And Table 2 summarizes these symptoms. This sounds like uh, my body preparing itself for any discussion with one of my children. <laughs> All right, you're in pressure group. <laughs> you're, in, you're in panic group G. Like, hold on. I've got to prepare myself for an extreme physical challenge here. Okay, so you need to stop your rapid, shallow breathing. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, what do I do about is, the twitch that's this developed? Is in a, this is, well, <laughs> your widely dilated pupils is the characteristic of the fight or flight response. True. It's trying to take in as much light as it can. The, uh, the rapid shallow breathing is, is what we talked about earlier. It is that involuntary hyperventilation mm. that's being set in by the panic. Underwater, it's just, you know, it's so much more uh, impactful on your, on your consciousness level. Versus the top side, right? You can sure. have that hyperventilation. You might, you know, actually hyperventilate, but, but yeah, underwater. But under, even at the surface yes. of the water, being in the water, mm -hmm. there's an issue because you're only millimeters away from from breathing air to sucking in the water. True. Right? Whereas if it's because you're going up the hill on the bicycle, mm -hmm. you can stop and catch your breath. And I still think having your lungs underwater, there's still a... You know, there's still pressure. If your head's up and your lungs are underwater, that pressure against your lungs, although it's yeah. not a lot, it is a lot. It's enough that well, it can it can a I shouldn't well, say yeah, a, I mean, assist like, in that if restriction. You, if you double the length of your snorkel, I'm not saying you can't take breathe a, from I'm it. not saying yeah. take a twenty foot snorkel. No. You just double the length yeah. of your snorkel by another, you know, eight ten inches. You, you, can't, you, you can't breathe off. Well, that's when you see so those it, it movies. Is a significant amount of pressure. Yeah, you see those movies of people breathing through like you know bamboo straws, three <laughs> feet underwater. Not going to happen. Right. You can't breathe two feet underwater. Fearful, terror-stricken facial expressions. That's what you're talking about with your talking to your kids. <laughs> I walk around the house like that every day. <laughs> that's my normal expression. I'm not panicking. That's just how I look normally now. I look at pictures of me when I was young. I was a good-looking guy. I was not a bad-looking guy. My God, what happened? What happened to that guy? Well, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> Julia, Elena, Michael, and Andrew. No, I better stop. They're going to start getting uh, taking it seriously. Feeble, inefficient swim movements, forward momentum, and additional buoyancy control is lost. And uh, let me throw in there, like, now I would say that, to me, I say forward momentum is another sign that there's oh, a problem, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you can't it's, it's an involuntary, constant forward motion, a perpetual mm -hmm. motion forward. You know, that inability to stop and stay still right. is, a, is a huge sign because you're getting further and further away from your, your buddy, your resources, reality, uh, because you're, of, you're trapped in this like tunnel vision world. Right. You don't even know where you're going a lot of times. And that right there is 
Uh oh. That is, if you could get on the other side of that diver, you would see the wide dilated pupils right. and the, the 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 look of horror on the face. Right. Plus, what it, if they do regain their their composure? They're going to look around and go, "I'm nowhere near the upline or my partner. Uh, yeah. I don't know where I'm at." And then let's start the let's panic. Let's start it again. all over yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, another symptom they throw in here is the irrational grasps, lunges, attempts to climb out of the water. Yes. Meaning, you right here, right, he's completely lost control. Mm-hmm. Now, anybody who's ever seen Panic Underwater, I mean, that, you see that. You yeah. see that just, I'm going, usually, and that's part of the, everything's got to come off me right now. You know, my right. mask, my rag gets spit out, and I fly to the, I got to get to air. Right. You the, know, the two, the, 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 the three, right the three most foolish things you could do mm-hmm. are the first response, generally. Right. Get rid of the mask, get rid of the regulator. Get to the surface. Yes. The three worst mistakes, and everybody sitting in a classroom having the discussion knows that these are the three most foolish things they could do, Mm -hmm. yet when the panic hits, every one of them are going to do those three. Unless it's been trained out. Unless it's been trained out, yeah. That's why a weekend class isn't good. I don't know know many people that can get that trained out in a weekend class. It, It takes... Years of well, the, of, it does of take a lot of good diving, but I think you can give somebody a big head start by really, you know, giving them good, solid training right in the beginning. And you can't do it, and again, a weekend is tough to do that. In. It's fast, yeah, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's See, it's fast if you're giving them the full extent right, of the certification that mm-hmm. they get that getting, nowadays. That's exactly where I should have right. qualified that. You know, a weekend you want to be a 30-foot diver. Yeah. Yeah, like, we can do it like probably. I get, if you're good, like doing good swimmer a, and comfortable. You know, yeah, I get doing a, a quickie class on a cruise ship, uh, get you exposed to the water, see some fish, expose you to scuba diving so that you ultimately make it a, a, a lifetime Endeavor. activity. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. But that sh- shouldn't come with a carte blanche card. Right. 130 feet, baby. <laughs> Says right there. The panic syndrome does not lend itself well to emergency treatment, for it may only be a matter of a few seconds before the victim loses consciousness and drowns. The disorder must be prevented. There are no substitutes for the three C's, conditioning, competence, and cooperation. Now, nowadays, uh, you hear uh, you and I using three different C's, but right along those same lines of that comfort competence Mm -hmm. and confidence in the water right right? but right along the same lines right um conditioning implies not only the ability to meet the physical demands of diving but having sufficient reserve to meet any emergency competence refers to proper training in the use of the equipment as well as the confidence that it is operating properly cooperation refers to the partners recognizing each other's limitations establishing suitable nonverbal communications and jointly planning the dive. I'd agree. Right? So mm-hmm. being prepared in the water, right? Pre-dive. <laughs> that aids in preventing panic. Well, you would, I mean, I don't know. In my mind, it's all pretty, you know, that's like saying the sky is blue, but I guess you do need to spell it out. No? Well, am early I, on, I, you have to. I, I mean, do, I, I mean, know. when you're underwater and you're having an issue uh, and, and the response is, I'm uncomfortable. Get to the surface. I might run out of air. There's a problem. Right? There's a problem mm-hmm. because you you have not internalized a, a rock bottom gas calculation mm-hmm. that has assured you that you got, when the shit hits the air. fan, we've already planned for only one of us bringing the two of us home. <laughs> yeah. Not fast, 
but, but doing in our the normal same range. normal sense, doing all of our safety stops and everything, coming mm-hmm. up clean. All right, we're going to keep that gas volume. If you don't have that internalized mm-hmm. and have a intimate relationship with that number and knowledge, and with your your buddy being a well placed teammate for you the whole time yeah you're gonna result in panic i need to get to the surface because that's where the air is and you need to be situationally aware you have to be checking your gas and or know i shouldn't say and or but and know your your gas usage rates yeah i mean and i you want to say that that goes without saying but it has Uh, to be said it has to be spelled out and like on a neon flashing sign to so many people well we see it all the time we see it on almost every dive now this last weekend we went diving everybody's pretty competent and really i mean it was nice diving with this group you look in the water nobody's flailing about there was oh no it was a very it was really nice so you you never had people you didn't ever have to worry like like we've had charters last year where again, people are running out of gas on the upline, and then they're not even checking. Well, yeah, yeah, right. husband, <laughs> husband, father, daughters go down the the descent line and then go the opposite way of each other once they get down there, and they don't notice it. The dad kept swimming away. Dad with you know d- twins on and four dive computers. Daughter in a single. Whew. Luckily, they had their snorkels. Uh, <laughs> but they go in opposite you know. direction, and then. He, Visibility is about twelve feet. You were—I don't know if you were on this. I wasn't. Side. I was on that one. But visibility I was about, about twelve feet, and I'm like, I'm looking at both of them. What do I do? What do I? So I took off after yeah. the daughter. <laughs> not out of it. I didn't see. We had to go catch the dad. I we had to go nothing. catch the dad because he was gone. He was he was looking at his four computers, He's checking them out. He's testing them out. Anyway, just silly stuff like that. I call it silly, but it's really kind of dangerous. It's a it's a mindset that's that's not really conducive to safe diving. No, absolutely not. So, and that can lead to the panic. Either one of them could panic, right? The daughter because right. she's lost dad, and now she's panicking that uh, that she's going to get in trouble for losing yeah. dad. And do I have enough air? And still new and learning. And dad's like, "Oh shit, I lost my daughter." Uh, yes. and, and irrational searching, like oh, not, not like yeah, going not back to where thinking. you should. Like, yes. like you see a lot of people react mm-hmm. so irrationally. Like all of a sudden they're they're searching too, farther away, right? Yeah. right like, like the person passed you and went out there. Yeah. No, yeah. I think both of them. I think they have the genetic quality that's passed down to the family of false overconfidence in their abilities. But we, that's a common thing that we see, isn't well, it? Well, it is, right? And they say here that, however, there is always that event which is not foreseen. When this occurs, the vicious circle of the panic syndrome must be interrupted before the diver's life is jeopardized. Just thinking that one may be in trouble is sufficient reason to curtail activities, rest, and reevaluate the situation. This may be done by initiating any one or several of the items in Table 3. So correction and or prevention of the panic syndrome. You're going to say so something? Well, oh no, I was just. Uh, did you have something? I had mind? something in my mind, and then it just. Okay. Uh, so in in uh, table three, they talk about. Oh, I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I was also going to say like so does that, does that is that kind of addressing that little inner voice in your head like. Maybe I shouldn't be on it, or maybe yeah. I need to rethink this dive. Well, I or, think so for sure. Yes. That's exactly uh, uh, what we're looking at. And now in the technical you have, dive game, that's where I've actually okay. I've been very, very you know highly attentive to that voice. If I hear that when I'm doing a, a tech dive or a cave dive or anything like that, 
it's really important to me. Well, you can understand it because the consequences are higher in one sense. But on the same hand... The margin for error in those dives is a lot less. That's right. the problem. It's not as forgiving. But as you can see when you read you know, the list of fatalities every year, mm. that they're not all on technical Oh, dives. no, no, not by right. any means. In fact, there's a major decline at one point mm-hmm. in that world because you've, you've had so much of the extra training and often those fatalities are just wild, obscure things that, that do occur. Right. Whereas a lot of these issues, and especially the stuff that they were facing back in this, this day because technical diving per se really hadn't been born just yet, but you still saw the problems. You still saw the panic, mm-hmm. right? That voice is really something that needs to be cultivated. It needs to be your friend. If it talks to you, you need to be going, I respect you. You're usually pretty smart. Yeah. You're usually dead on. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to listen to what you got to say. And one of those things should be, hey, breathe deeply. Breathe deep. Counteract that air hunger. Understand that air hunger. Get rid of the CO2. Get a good, clean, fresh breath coming back in. Was that the Moody Blues? Breathe deep. Breathe deep. The Moody Blues are like the antithesis of the groups. They're like the very opposite and the spectrum of music that that you would listen to. Yeah. But see, I could listen. I'm a Moody Blues guy. You are the Ramones. Together, we make the Moody see, Ramones. <laughs> you say, breathe deep. deep. And I say, gabba gabba hey. <laughs> Gabba, gabba, hey. Improved buoyancy. Release your game bag. Release your weights. Inflate your vest. Hopefully, uh, um, if you're up at the surface, for sure, uh, before you... <laughs> well, there's something. You bring up something that I... When I used to teach open waters a lot, because you watch the new people. They're always swimming at the surface. They're, oh, yeah. They're kicking like a madman. Their their neck is... You know, their head's barely out of the water, and they're kicking. You're like, hey, inflate. Inflate your BCD. Reach over, you got to inflate it for him and go, stop kicking. Just stop. I want you to get in this habit. And when you're up here, I don't want anybody swimming, ever. I mean, that is that is part of the panic thing, too, is you forget the basics. Like, I can use this buoyancy control device to stay at the surface without swimming, and I don't have to keep working and working and working. Right, that's what it's there for. Float on your back. Right, get your head up out of the water. Remove the regulator or snorkel from your mouth and breathe the surface air directly. I mean, how many times oh, you see yeah. that when people are panicking yeah. and they're and they've they've still got the regulator in their mouth? Yeah. And I look at them, I go, um, "You got all the air in the world, you. yeah, <laughs> right up here. Why why are you breathing through that regulator right now?" Yeah, yeah, I see that. On the other hand, there's the other side of that where they're like, if I've been on dives where. I'll come up in the dive. I take my reg out. I'm at the surface, relax and wait. And the reg, the dive master's like, "Put your regulator back in your." Well, okay, so I, I get, I get that because I, I do. Get I know it. they look and they see someone well, in the water the without a regulator. The dive master's got to expect the worst case scenario, right? Like if you're not expecting everyone to be this guy from table one, <laughs> <laughs> right? right? You are setting yourself up for a shitty True, day. As a dive I get master. that. So I, I, get I that. do get that, but but and I and I don't mean like if you're panicking and worried and, and going through right, you know, you know, splashing and getting water. Yeah, yeah. Keep your regulator in your mouth. I get that. But I mean, well, when you come to the surface and you're right. just you're scared to take the regulator out of your mouth because you don't have mental clarity. Yes, right. Yes, that's yes, a sign yes. to me that you're not you there. Are, you're not there. Yeah. So that's my that's my talk. Your, with them. your like, focus is hey, narrowed to this little pin. Pinpoint beam, yeah. Hey, Bob, what are you doing? Chill out, uh, man. Uh, uh, calm down, Bob. You got all the air in the world. 
Breathe take your regulator deep. out and we can have this conversation <laughs> right now. Breathe deep. I'm going to play a little Moody Blues for y'all. That the, the other sign is that that the mask on the head that you, oh, you know yeah, say, yeah. get your mask off your head. You're panicking. Relax. Right. My mask now, isn't on my head. My mask strap is on my forehead. Exactly. Because I'm up here waiting for 10 minutes in perfectly flat, calm water for everybody else to get on the boat. God dang I'm it. I'm okay. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's just like a medic. They teach you, you have to judge the whole patient, not just, okay, his, his pulse rate was, you know, a normal pulse rate for an adult is 60 to 80. His was 90 or his was 55. Look at him. It's fine. Right, you know, as an athlete or whatever, yeah. or um, reevaluate the situation. Reassurance by your partner, right? The um, calming and calming effects of a, a good conversation mm-hmm. with uh, with your dive buddy. So, did you see that movie, <laughs> Jaws? <laughs> did you see that movie <laughs> where those two divers get lost out to sea? <laughs> hey, did you ever see that open water movie? So analysis of case reports disclose that a full-blown panic syndrome can manifest itself in a matter of seconds. Without the interception of the vicious circle by alert partners, the outcomes could become tragic. Those cases of panic and divers that have tragic outcomes are usually reported as drownings. However, for the near misses, no records are maintained. Consequently, the true incidence of the panic syndrome is not known, and that still think, goes on today. I think that's our biggest, I don't want to say it's a gripe, but it's our biggest uh, noted concern when we talk about training, you know, when we're up here, you know, getting on our podium and ranting and raving about the state of the industry's training curriculum as a whole, not, not the individual. There's a lot of great individual instructors, there's, a, there's great individual programs, but as a whole, the mass majority or vast majority of divers being churned out are not great. I mean, they're not great example of diving education. They're, they're just not. And then well, they, you don't get the near misses reported. So the industry continues along its, hey, normal day kind of thing. We're not changing anything because look at the stats. Well, the stats are not actually true. They don't really paint the whole picture. You're only looking at the people that didn't make it. There were so many near. I think when you look at the fatalities, you got to say take that number and probably quadruple it at least. To yeah, get I know what you mean. How many real incidents are going on out there? Right. Okay. And thankfully, by the grace of Zeus, that nobody, you know, these people all didn't go. Correct. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it would be interesting to. To truly track the the those, those never mentioned near misses that yeah. that go by like swept under the rug like me and my hood story I haven't told yes. that story <laughs> in thirty years almost like, why would I hell, why the hell would I tell anybody about that idiot move that was um that didn't have a lot to do with the things we were talking about in the sense of it wasn't a train you know it's, it's more like I'm going to do something ridiculous <laughs> to show how. Smooth, I am. <laughs> and it backfired. This brief discussion provides the basic information necessary for understanding the events that take place in the panic syndrome. Should a panic-provoking situation arise in diving, the victim would, at best, be expected to act in a mechanical fashion. Consequently, the value of training 
conditioning and pre-dive review of emergency procedures cannot be overemphasized. Like in any other diving medical disorder, prevention is the only real guarantee of success in dealing with the panic syndrome. True. You got to train it out of you. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how, how many different ways we can say it. Well, when you're, when you're taught, you can always drop your weights. When you're taught, you can CISA. From day one, I mean, that before you get a certification, mm-hmm. you, you have to realize I can drop my weights and shoot the surface if the shit really hits the fan. Rather than, no, you have to do the, the preparedness ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You have to do the planning ahead of time. You have to have the team organization ahead of time so that you can solve your problems underwater. Well, that's what happens when a team of lawyers designs a course instead of a team of divers who really dive often and have a well-thought-out method or well-thought-out techniques and, and ideas of how diving works, how equipment works with diving, how physical fitness works with diving, how technique works with diving, and being aware works with diving and putting all those together to produce a diver that's competent and comfortable and confident in their abilities. And then they get in the water and something does happen to trigger this panic. You don't fall into the fight or flight immediately. You, you know in your There's head. There's stages before that. And yeah, and I can I work get, this out underwater. I'm going to work it out underwater because I've trained and, I've, and I know how to do it. And I get there's, there's, a, there's a place for the discussion of a CISA. But when it's in the top of it's the right list the, the, of, of, they, of your, yeah. your go-tos, Whatever. It's, there's, so much, uh, there's so much you've missed ahead of that mm-hmm. that isn't being put into the mind of the diver into the, the rational thinking mm. part of the, the diver's mind, that it's just go to the dump the weight, go to get to the surface because that's where safety is. Yeah, that's, a, that's a problem in my opinion. Too much emphasis on it. It's because a lawyer's like, well, we did teach them this. So if they drowned, we found the body down underwater. They were signed off on this. They knew they could have done this. It falls on their shoulders. They didn't blow, you know, dump their weights and blow to the surface. Well, there you go, people. What do you think? Is, uh, is this little program for panic prevention that uh, we just read to you, does that make sense to you guys? you agree with that? Or do you, you think uh, dumping your weights and shooting to the surface and uh, making the CISA the go, is the way to go? I, I think it's a topic of uh, interesting topic of discussion. The How number of clowns. It depends on the number of clowns. Scary clowns or happy clowns? <laughs> is there really such thing as a non-scary clown? It's like you said, even the, scary, even the happy ones are scary. Again, All right, John I got to get Casey. out of here. Uh, right, sign bro. my logbook. Stop clowning around. Dive safe. Bozo. Balloons blow. <laughs> Don't let them go. Everything floats down here. Isn't that what the, the it clown, Stephen oh, King? Yeah. We right. all float down here. Yeah. Gabba gabba hey, everybody. <laughs> Breathe deep. Uh, wasn't John Wayne Gacy? Wasn't he the clown he killer? The clown, yes. Yeah, yeah, because he wasn't like a mean-looking clown. He was just a uh, regular-looking clown. So the the parade for Fourth of July up you know up at my mom's little town. Yeah, they always they always have the kids dress up like clowns, right? And and they you know throwing candy and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, walking the little little up north town parade. Well, there's been so few kids hanging out in town anymore that they decided to call off the clowns. 
Call and, off the and then there's a bunch of people. Isn't there a song about? <laughs> there's a bunch of people kind of bummed out and upset that the clouds are going to be gone, right? So they're making like a big stink on Facebook. And then I I posted a picture of John Wayne Gacy. And I said, "Remember when this guy showed up?" How'd they take that? They probably it was the last comment in the thread. <laughs> nice thread killer. <laughs> I, I love being a thread killer. I love it. 